4: Now, Autolite and its 60,000 dealers and service stations
0: present Suspense. Tonight, Autolite brings you Ronald Coleman in Noose of Coincidence, a suspense play produced and directed by Anton M. Leder.
4: If you're a fellow who won't put up with second best, what are you waiting for? Replace those old narrow-gap spark plugs with wide-gap Autolite resistor spark plugs and see the difference in your car. Your car will idle smoother, give you better power and performance on leaner gas mixtures. Actually, save gas. Autolite regular-type spark plugs have long been standard factory equipment on many leading makes of cars and trucks. And now six, that's right, six of these leading makes of cars and trucks have switched to Autolite resistor-type spark plugs for factory installation on their new 1949 models. The new Wide Gap Autolite resistor spark plugs are the spark plugs of today and the future.
0: Remember, you're right with Autolite. And now, Autolite presents Ronald Coleman in a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense.
1: know london do you remember swan's bookshop 12 edge Row? Yeah, that's it it's hard to believe that such a quiet unassuming shop was the scene of unusual even fantastic happenings the only thing out of the ordinary about my bookshop although i feel it's most appropriate is the sign or rather symbol hanging above the door an arm made of cast iron holding aloft a flaming torch I must confess that the sharp angle inside the elbow attracted some distinctly unbookish creatures, birds, who found the crook of the arm a splendid place for nest building. I rather liked the birds beneath my bedroom windows, but some of my customers complained quite bitterly about their nesting over the door. So each spring, it became my wicked task to clear away the little home that was a building and then to try in vain to make peace with the birds and my angry conscience.
4: Well, Mr. Swan, is it spring
3: again?
1: Uh, Good morning, Constable.
4: Have a care up there on that ladder, sir. Steady.
1: (laughs) Oh, it's not the ladder that's making my knees shaky. It's this monstrous crime I commit every year.
4: But if you didn't, Mr. Swan, how would the rest of us know it was spring, eh?
1: Yes, Uh, a distinguished career. Christopher Swan, calendar to the neighborhood.
4: And very (laughs) honest, sir, be all of us.
1: Thank you, Constable.
4: Uh, uh, Begging your pardon, Mr. Swan, but uh, you have a customer in your shop? I do not. Yes, Hmm? I saw him go in while I was halfway down the street. He walked right under the ladder, he did, with never a care.
1: Brave man indeed. Thank you. Uh, Good morning. I'm sorry I didn't see you enter. I didn't hear the bell. Uh, May I help you?
3: I don't need help. Your name is Christopher Swan? Yes. Good morning. My name is Christopher Swan. Oh, forgive me, I I didn't quite hear... But you did. Christopher Swan, sir. Your name, my name. Well, how odd. Why, people must have names. More people than names, therefore duplication. Bound to happen. (laughs) My card.
1: Thank you. Yeah, sure enough. Christopher Swan. Mental telepathist.
3: Telepathist and prophet of the future. Oh. Well, nevertheless, it is very odd. Perhaps it is. In that case, you must save my card and show it to Margaret. Margaret? Your wife, sir. Oh, oh, no, I'm afraid you're mistaken. I have no wife, and I've never been married. Do you suppose I'm not aware of that?
1: You are? Well, then, I, I don't see how you can... Mr.
3: Swan, mental telepathist and prophet of the future. The future. Yes. Margaret. Young woman. Pretty, too. Red hair. Oh,
1: now, really... I've read a good bit about extrasensory perception, Mr. Swan... but when you speak of
3: foretelling the future... You don't believe a word of it. Well, I don't blame you. No one believes at first. And later? (laughs) Mr. Swan, suppose we drop the subject. I've come here simply to buy some books. Perhaps we may have a little talk in a short time... after your marriage.
1: Now... If a thing like that happened to you, you'd probably laugh at it as I did. But then, if only five days later, you met a red-haired girl named Margaret, and she was pretty, and the fresh perfume of spring began to engage in mortal combat with the bachelor in you, then you might begin to believe that all nature conspired to fulfill the prophecy of Christopher Swan.
2: I want to marry you, but we know so little about each other. Well, I
1: think that's excellent, Margaret. It'll be an adventure, finding out.
2: Oh, you'll be disappointed in me. There's nothing to find out.
1: I don't intend to try. I expect to be content with you as you are. Well, Margaret?
2: Oh, I... I wish you hadn't told me about all that money you inherited. I'd... I'd like you to believe that I'm marrying you for yourself. Chris, will you be happy with me? Will you be content...
1: Happy with Margaret? Content with Margaret? Less than three months later, anyone within earshot could have told the answer to that.
2: Christopher!
1: Yes, Margaret, I'm coming.
2: Christopher, this back room is a sight.
1: Yes, Margaret.
2: If only you'd do some tidying about here instead of going on as you do. Talk, talk, talk with the customers day in, day out. And what do you talk about? Books. Books. Nothing but musty old books.
1: But that's my business, my dear.
2: Well, more's the pity. Why, any man with 50,000 good English pounds in Barclays Bank insists upon running an out-of-the-way little bookshop instead of going out into the world and making something of himself...
1: Margaret, please, there are people in the shop. People? Loafers. Now, see here, Margaret...
2: Don't you dare lose that nasty temper with me. I know you're sorry you married me, but you made a bargain. You might as just as well be resigned. Till death do us part, the minister said. Till death do us part.
1: One day I went up to Hampstead Heath for the fair. Oh, not so much to see the fair as to get away from Margaret. I watched the children on the carousels and the pearlies from Lambeth Road and the girls in white smocks selling jellied apples. And then, suddenly, there he was
3: again well sink me it's my friend the doubter how do you do mr swan quite well thank you Uh, my question mr swan was purely rhetorical i'm thoroughly aware that you are not doing well at all
1: wrong again mr swan how
3: can you say again you did marry a red-haired woman named margaret didn't you
1: you really believe in your powers candidly i don't the only thing thus far proven is that there are remarkable coincidences
3: (laughs) my dear mr swan how the thing happened is quite unimportant all we must remember is my prediction that it would happen. I didn't say how. Could you have done that too? With a little more concentration, why not? <laughs> For instance, let me tell you about your wife. Your wife, Mr. Swan, is a shrew and will become more of a shrew each day. Now, please, I don't think I care to hear about No, don't her. go, Mr. Swan, please, not while I'm concentrating. Now, let me see. Christopher Swan, born one day... I can't quite make that out. In March 1908... Birthplace, the manor house, lower orchard, Bellingdon near Chasm Bucks. 1940, removed to London, acquire bookshop. Father and mother killed in blitz. It's a pity, Mr. Swan. You, however, inherit 50,000 pounds, right?
1: Yes, every bit of it, but... um... Would it be impertinent to
3: point out that you had access to this information in several publications (laughs) not one bit impertinent mr swan but tell me in which publication could i have learned that on the 9th of november this year you will be hanged by the neck until dead i i beg your pardon (laughs) hey don't look so taken aback my friend the gift of prophecy nothing more ability to foresee the future you you charlatan. Do you seriously expect me to believe... That you'll be hanged. Of course I don't expect you to believe it, Mr. Swan. Any more than you believe my first prophecy about your marriage. But you will be hanged, Mr. Swan. Pity, really a pity. On the morning of November 9th, hang by the neck. Until you are dead.
0: Suspense. Autolite is bringing you Ronald Coleman in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense.
4: Hey there, Hollow. Heard you played Truth of Consequences at a big
0: Hollywood party.
4: Sure. They asked me to tell the truth, and naturally I did. I said, friends, those Autolite resistor spark plugs always give a star performance. Smoother idling, better performance on leaner gas mixtures, and actually save gas. Why, they're bigger box office than a movie star. Hollywood stood for that. Well, I had to tell the truth. Wide gap auto light resistor spark plugs are the spark plugs of today and the future. Yep, I said more men go for auto light resistor spark plugs than for glamorous movie stars. So switch from old narrow gap plugs, yeah, to... They must have loved you. There I was, telling the truth, and I had to take the consequences, too. Oh, you did? Yeah, they threw
0: me into the swimming pool. <laughs> well, it's duck, Harlow. Suspense is on. And now, Autolite brings back to our Hollywood soundstage... Ronald Coleman as Christopher Swan in Noose of Coincidence. A tale well calculated to keep you in... suspense. Good morning,
1: Mr. Swan. And a good morning to you, Constable.
4: Well, I hope it's better than the night I had. Oh, fair horrible, that's what it was. Oh, Mister Swan, do you have any books that talk about spirits? Oh yes, there are some very fine ones,
1: uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Uh, then there's the American psychologist William James. It's <laughs> an odd coincidence. That's the man I'm reading now. There you are, William James, The Will to Believe. Oh, it ain't the believing that bothers me.
4: It's the will to leave it in the bottle. The, the bottle. Spirits, Mister Swan. Ooh, last night. <laughs>
1: Oh, I beg your pardon, Constable. You know, my mind is so set upon a certain... Well, let's see now. Ah, spirits, spirituous, here we are. Spiritus frumenti.
2: Christopher!
1: Oh, heavens.
2: When will you ever clean this filthy back
1: room? I'll be there in half a moment, Margaret.
2: Not in half a moment, now.
1: Oh, she does have a voice that carries, don't she, Mr. Swan? Yes, I suppose you just browse along that shelf, Constable, and help yourself to whatever you like.
2: Look at it. Nothing but old books. Dickens, Thackeray, Victor Hugo. Filthy nonsense. Filthy nonsense.
1: These are rare editions, Margaret. Please don't handle them like that. I'll
2: handle them as they deserve. I'll tear them or burn them or fling them about. No,
1: Margaret. Margaret! How dare you? It happens that I love this shop and the things in it.
2: You'd like to die here. What? You said so in your sleep last night. I wish I were dead. That's what I heard you say. I don't know what's come over you, Christopher. Moody all the time. Sulking, sulking, sulking. Pity you feel so sorry for yourself. Margaret, please. Constable Smithers can hear every word. Let him. Let everybody hear. I've nothing to hide. I never dream about suicide. I made a mistake when I married you, but I'm trying to make the best of it. Pity you can't do the same. Pity you feel there's only one way out.
1: Yes, a pity. 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 The quiet was gone the gentle, thoughtful, quiet. A bookshop should be a peaceful place. I didn't remember dreaming about suicide, but I suppose I had such dreams. A man wants peace, even if it's only the peace of the grave. Oh, good morning.
2: Good morning. I wonder if you have St. Moore by D.H. Lawrence, I believe published by Heinemann.
1: Yes, Heinemann does publish Lawrence, but I'm afraid we don't have... Uh, If you'll just step over here has been quite a demand for Lawrence lately. And with books in short supply... I know. Uh, let me see. Saint more, sent more, sent... There's one copy of Sons and Lovers. One Gypsy. No, no, I'm afraid we're out. May I order it for you?
2: No, I really prefer to look for it. It's a good excuse to go tramping about, prowling through bookshops.
1: Do you like bookshops? Oh, yes. Well, I'm glad. Why? Oh, nothing. i simply glad. I, uh, I'm i sorry not to have had your book.
2: I'll find it. Thank you so much.
1: Uh, you, you might try the, the Ken bookshop near Victoria Station.
2: Thank you, I will.
1: Oh, another idea. Uh, suppose you leave your name and telephone number, and then I'd be able to ring you up if you should happen to
2: come in. Oh, would you be good enough to do that? My name is Anne Stevens. Mrs. Anne Stevens? No, Miss Anne Stevens. Bayswater 3210 oh. Christopher
1: <laughs> Miss Sand Stevens had red hair, too, but not simply orange-red, like Margaret's. Her hair was like burnished copper, all warm and bright, down to her shoulders. And when she walked in the sunlight, it seemed to be splashed with gold. And I thought to myself, "It's probably fragrant and soft to touch." It was only a few days later I met her again in crowded Hyde Park.